you do like the feeling of power you have as a newspaper proprietor of being able to sort of formulate policies for a large number of newspapers in every state of Australia? Well, there's only one honest answer to that, of course, and that's yes. Of course one enjoys the feeling of power. The newspaper can create great controversies, stir up uh, arguments within the community, discussion, it can throw light on injustices, just as it can do the opposite. It can hide things uh, and be a great power for evil. It's not a perfect system, obviously, but can you think of a better one? Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Murdocracy, the podcast that keeps an eye on the news and influence of News Corp, the most influential media company in the Western world. I'm Cam Wilson. And I'm Sammy Shaw. Sammy, if you lost pre-selection and were all but guaranteed to, you know, be on your way out of politics, mm. how do you, who would you spray in your valedictory speech? Everyone. I would walk into, I would basically do the um, parliamentary equivalent of pulling my pants down and taking a shit on the table. Like that is basically what I would do. And, um, and you know what? Seeing it happen is quite remarkable. I love it. Uh, it's, it's a great tradition. In fact, you know, I think we should start introducing this at uh, just other workplaces. You yes. know, you, you finish <laughs> up, you find a new job, or maybe, you know, you leave under, uh, no, maybe not do your own terms. And you just have an opportunity just to, to address the rest of the, of the company and, um, you know, let them know what you really think. Who hasn't wished they could do that? Okay, so look, okay, there's a few things I want to say about this. We're talking, of course, about Conchetta, uh, Conchetta Ferranti Wells, who basically just went guns blazing, terminated to at Scott Morrison in a speech at Parliament, right? I'm assuming that's what we're discussing here. Yep, 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 yep. And right, George Christensen as well. Yep. And George Christensen. Um, here's what I'm going to say about Conchetta Ferranti Wells. I didn't, I wasn't in Australia when she was really more prominent, but when, by the time I came, she'd kind of taken a back seat and been a, lo- a lot more quiet on uh, on Parliament and stuff and, and everything. First time I met her personally was we were on a panel on BBC's Question Time, which is ah. like, it's like Q&A before Q&A was Q&A and BBC does it and they go around the world. It's like, what if Q&A was good and had like really interesting people and really interesting conversations, you know, like that kind of science fiction concept for Q&A producers. And... Um, it was a panel discussion they had in Sydney and it was going to be focused on migration. And it was myself, Conchetta Fervanti Wells. We had someone from the Greens, I can't remember. And we had Mark Latham. And basically, at one point, it ended up being myself, the Greens parliamentarian, and um, Conchetta Fervanti Wells basically battling Mark Latham. Uh, you know, an all out war against Latham on stage. And- <laughs> And I kind of really got along with Fervanti Wells. I know that's a controversial statement to say for a lot of people. And I know that she can't have, particularly with LGBTQI issues, she's got some really problematic points of view. But also so does every Muslim I know, and so does every Catholic I know. So I feel like there's that element has to be kind of taken into account and in, in you know who we give a pass to, who we don't, etc. But all in all, I got her on my race documentary that I did last year for Radio National, and she talked about racist experiences she's had, like you know, working in Parliament in Canberra. So it was really interesting to hear her oh. talk about calling Scott Morrison racist as well. And she's talked a lot about the uh, you know, when there was that four corners report about women in Canberra and the sexual abuse, sexual harassment that they've experienced she was one of the voices that was kind of calling things out and that that people overlooked and forgot about i feel like she's had it for a while now 
she's been simmering in the background with all the stuff she's had to put up with for a very long time. And this was her going, you know what? I shall not go gently into the good night. And there's a big, like, you know, um, uh, Italian nonna energy to that, which I, <laughs> I respect the hell out of it. So I'm a fan of what she did. And I've kind of always had a, a, a bit of respect for her. So, um, you know, it's very on brand, in my opinion, for her to just go, fuck it. I'm burning this place down. And there are some very uh, Italian nonna who spent too long on Facebook uh, vibes yeah. about some of her oh, views yeah. as well. <laughs> oh yeah, she's very much that. I, I honest to God, I'm I'm I will defend her if yeah. anyone yeah. comes at her. You know, I'm. Uh, I remember the time that she was accused uh, Australia's bushfires at the the 1920 season mm. of being lit by environmental uh, eco terrorists to to oh, yeah. try and. Uh, raise the profile of 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 global warming and climate change, which was um that's a take. That's a take. No, no, look, she's definitely got her batshit crazy points of view as well. Of course she does, but you know, at this point, who we're lucky to find someone in Parliament who, who doesn't. doesn't. <laughs> so yes, you know, all right, but yeah, it was remarkable. Yeah, like, it was. I, the George Christensen one, I still haven't gotten like a chance to watch the whole thing, but also I'm not as interested, but I feel like she really like set the tone, raised the bar. Now everyone's going to have to try to hurdle over that, basically. Yeah, his was actually a little bit less than inspired. I was mm. kind of hoping for a bit more fireworks. But yes, no, it is, it's, a, it's good to go out guns blazing. So on today's edition, um, we will be playing a little game with a speech by Lachlan Murdoch uh, to mm. the Institute. Institute of Public Affairs, Australia's uh, right wing, uh, biggest right wing kind of lobby group. Right. Um, and also kind of going through the Newsweek News of the Week. But first, just a, a reminder, as always, um, you know, people who support us on Patreon uh, really help us do this. And I just want to thank all of our patrons. It, it does help us uh, do this work, pay for hosting, all that stuff. So thanks very much to them. And if you do want to contribute, it's uh, patreon.com slash murdocracy. Okay, on to the show. Let's do this. So next week, the government is all but certain to call an election. So I thought we could check in on how News Corp publications are covering the contest between the two major party leaders so far. There's been two recent pieces on Anthony Albanese that have turned a few heads. The first Mm. one was coverage of an Albanese speech at the start of the month in The Australian. And the headline that was given, I'll be more like a Hawk or a Howard, said Albanese. And it quoted saying the opposition leader will say that he is seeking to reform the economy in the same fashion as former Liberal Prime Minister John Howard and Labor Prime Minister Bob Hawke. Now, it turns out that nowhere in the speech had Albanese actually mentioned Howard. And so there was a bit of a kind of controversy about that by, you know, some Labor supporters saying that, you know, here it was News Corp trying to manipulate his words. But when the ABC's Media Watch asked the Oz, they actually said that Albo's spinners had pitched the speech to them before in that way, hence the coverage. Uh. The second thing then, this came last week. I don't know if you saw the Sammy, Mm -hmm. but Albo did a woke test with Joe Hildebrand for the Daily Telegraph that included some like rapid fire questions. And it included, uh, can men have babies? No. Uh, Captain Cook, hero or zero? Uh, Albo said, world changer. Does Australia need to spend more or less on defence? Albo said more. Negative gearing, keep or ditch? Keep, said Albo. Sammy, what do you think about the way that Albo is being covered? And also, I guess importantly, is pitching himself to these News Corp publications? 
Um, I mean, look, part of it is we've seen and you and I have talked about this more recently about how News Corp itself seems to be souring a bit on Scott Morrison, not the Liberal Party, not, you know, not the coalition, but on Scott Morrison in particular in some of their coverage. They tend to be they'll, they'll, they'll flatter him sometimes, but they will also be critical many times as well. And so there seems to be this thing of them attempting to also opening themselves up to being quoted by Albanese, I, I feel. Um, and he's taken a play from Kevin Rudd's book, right? Which is that, you know, make yourself, be friendly with News Corp. News Corp will be friendly with you and you're more likely to have a, a easier time during the election. Sitting down with Joel Debrand, let's, I'll get into that in a bit. But first, the media watch thing, which is basically how, you know, that Albo spinners had pitched a speech that way to them. Yeah, I mean, it it happens sometimes. It's it's easy for it. It's more likely that it's true that they did that way, and they kind of they played News Corp a little bit by then saying we never mentioned this, and and News Corp looks bad. I don't know how many people pay attention to these kind of political games, but still, um, the woke test with Joe Hildebrand, though, at this point, I don't even know what woke means. Everything in us, everything in the world <laughs> is now woke or anything anti-woke. you don't like is woke. Yeah, absolutely. So I have no idea what that means. But all right, let's. And I don't even know what Joe Hildebrand is at this point. Like I, I'm quite sure that he's an artificial intelligence creation that isn't a real human being. But still, the ones that he kind of went for were: can have can men have babies? No, that's we know what that is. We know what that's dog whistling to, and it's kind of an anti-trans point of view. Not kind of, it literally is anti-trans, and and it's kind of making a statement about that men are men, women are women, and and gender is you know just these two binaries, and and um, anything else in between is wokeism. Um, we know what's happening there. We're tired of it already. We've seen it before. We're going to keep seeing it. Um, and I think, to be honest, he's playing to his voter base because many Labour supporters are middle of the road people. They don't like. Um, um, identity politics and it makes them very deeply uncomfortable which we know from labor people as well um, Captain Ho- Captain Cook zero or hero and he goes world changer that's a hedging your bets kind of answer <laughs> that he did not give a hero or zero answer I mean world changer Genghis Khan is uh, a world changer I, I don't know I, I, I think that's that's very clearly in the hero kind of yeah. category I mean I'm just saying Genghis Khan is a world changer that's if you true, really want to go that correct. way yeah. yeah COVID's a world changer is it a hero <laughs> or a zero I don't know depending <laughs> Um, and then the rest of them, you know, negative gearing, keep or ditch, keep that for me. That's the one where I'm like, oh, fuck you. You've learned from the last election, but you know, you are, you are completely or selling this only to the rich as well. At this point, Labour's doing the thing of like, we just want to win. We don't care. We just want to win, which when you look at Labour isn't surprising, but also never works for them, to be honest. So who knows? Yeah, I, um, you know, we're not a politics podcast and Mm -hmm. I certainly can't pretend to understand all of that. But I mean, I think it is, I think the interesting thing here is not that Albo is pitching himself and and the Labour Party is pitching Albo in this way, because, you know, that that's kind of um, playing to a specific audience, you know, and and all of politics and all of media advisors do this, where they say, well, I have a message and, and who do I think it will resonate best with and how do I reach that audience? And, and so this message to, to, this publication kind of makes sense uh and and you know like this is kind of like you know trying to position yourself as not too socially left which i think you know the political kind of argument they're making is probably that you know we can get away with other kind of more left policies or whatever while we kind of do this Mm -hmm. that being said the, the really interesting thing that i find is how 
uh, people who are kind of like, you know, elbow or Labour supporters are getting angry at these publications for actually telling the truth, like telling them like what Albo has said to yes. them in the way that they want to. And it's it's kind of funny how you've got, you know, like like this kind of um, this assumption that, uh, that, you know, either the publication is lying to you or Albo is misleading the publication but actually has a different set of views, which I, I don't necessarily think is, is right. Like I, I don't think that people should expect that a politician would, would lie and say something to win an election and then would kind of flip their views. I think it's kind of more obvious to think that they would play up certain parts of their existing views and not mm-hmm, talk about other mm-hmm. views. But the idea that they would all of a sudden come out and be, you know, secretly – uh, you know, um, you know, more, I guess, like recognizing trans people, you know, recognizing trans uh, uh, men, that kind of stuff. I don't really kind of see as the case. And it, it's just fascinating to see this own group essentially like really be, you know, pro Albo, but not pro what Albo's saying so much that they're kind of blaming someone else. I think it's, it's, um, it's not that surprising when you remember that just a few weeks ago, they were all attacking a 13 year old boy on Twitter. Um, so where the labor supporters have reached mentally at this point is quite a fascinating place. Yeah. And of course, online isn't representative of all, uh, labor and Albanese support at all. It, no. it really isn't. Yeah, exactly. We forget sometimes that Twitter is, a, you know, a minuscule, minuscule, minuscule amount of people with, uh, with the same opinions largely. Yes. Mm, yeah. So look, you know, they, they, like we can clearly see compared to what Bill Shorten was doing last election, uh, the, the Labour Party and, and Albanese are really trying to pitch themselves to News Corp. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so far we're kind of seeing News Corp, uh, you know, accept that, you know. And, 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 and as people have said in the past that they, they like the, who we've spoken to and, 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 and academics said that, you know, of course, like News Corp leans right. Um, and has that kind what? of uh, yeah I know I know wow big surprise breaking sorry to bury the lead um, and, and and of course they like um, you know w- like have have favored and 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 um, you know endorsed um, mostly coalition candidates in the past but ultimately they're they're most kind of interested in in maintaining power both through being able to influence politicians but also being in touch with their audience as well mm-hmm. and so you know them kind of giving at least a, a, a soft run to Albo, who in turn is, you know, telling them what they want to hear, is actually not really that surprising, particularly when you consider where Scott Morrison is in the polls. Absolutely. Um, now, do you remember when News Corp had that big commitment to going green, you know, net zero by 2050? Oh, yeah. You know what? Yeah. I actually had forgotten about that. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, uh, that commitment... Hasn't stuck around, or at least Wasn't maybe. Wasn't Joe Hildebrand supposed to be the face of that? Yeah, yeah, and and funnily enough, he seems to have forgotten about that. Actually, I mm-hmm. saw the big article he had a few weeks ago was was uh, talking about how uh, influencers are, are the gods, or, or like, actually, no, Satan's gift to the earth, or something, which was mm-hmm. a very 2014 take. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, an analysis by an academic uh, this month. Uh, whose name is Victoria Fielding, found that News Corp barely mentioned climate change in relation to the floods that have been happening this month. And the only publications in Australia to cite climate change to downplay the link were, perhaps unsurprisingly, News Corp publications. Mm-hmm. Maybe kind of broadly, Sammy, how effective do you think this is at not getting people to think about climate change by not 
including it as their kind of general part of their coverage. You know, while being like, you know, we're pro net zero by 2050, yes. a goal that we've said in the past is is super lacking. But then also to to not really, you know, essentially like it's almost like we've ticked that box of, of, of addressing, you know, environmentalism and climate change. And now we're going to ignore it in the rest of our coverage. Do you, do you think that that really does shape people's perspectives? Um, I think the only thing getting in the way of that shaping people's perspectives is the complete and ongoing flooding, climate disaster, you know, houses being washed away that's currently going on in New South Wales, in Australia. Um, and we're going to continue to see that. So I think the, I mean, News Corp's plan to, you know, you know, just basically tick mark the 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 thing that you know the spreadsheet that oh yes we've talked about climate change at one time and now we don't have if we don't talk about it then no one else is going to talk about it no one else would care about it is only affected by reality but um i also am always worried about the ability to to reshape reality to what they want so who knows there might be people in lismore right now standing on their roofs who are also going, no, this isn't climate change. This is a once in a hundred year event that's happened every week for the last two weeks. I think it's less about thinking it's climate change or or saying these floods have nothing to do with climate change than it is just not helping people make the link. Mm. So it would be like, It'd be like reporting on a shooting, but never mentioning that someone shot the gun or something. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, like, like it, it, it's, it's, it, to me, it, it's, it's undeniable that you would mention this thing because, of course, that is part of it. We don't need to make argue that here, but it, it is not appearing in their coverage of it. And I think that is more likely to, well, I think it's just, it's, it's all these opportunities that are, that are missed. And we don't know whether it's an editorial decision or whether it's just the way that they're subbed or whatever, but it does stop making that link to climate change, which I think, you know, makes people less likely to be like, well, wait a second. Like, what are we doing about this? Yeah, I, the one thing that I find really interesting about all of this is um, when you see the coverage, you know, it, it reminds me a lot of um, gun control in America, you know, where every single gun shooting happens, but Fox News will never link one to the other. They'll all be seen as isolated events. And, and maybe you're right. Maybe that's the way they're kind of shaping this as well. And and it will have an effect. There was a really interesting thing I saw on Twitter recently um, by Ketan Joshi. Um, you know, who we tried having on uh, a while back and he, he had just had a child, so he, he wasn't able to come on. But we he was commenting that the Labour Party choosing to not make climate change the central part of its policy makes it seem like many Australians feel climate action is an unwinnable um, electoral uh, position. Oh, really? When, when you actually see any polls, polling data is done, majority of Australians actually care about climate change. So I feel like we now have a political class and a media class that's fighting the general public when it comes to climate change in terms of we want them to talk about it and they don't want to talk about it. Well, it's becoming harder and harder, I think, not yeah. to talk about when all this is happening. Um, I don't, this is kind of a, a, a weird one. Um, mm. Last week, the Courier Mail, which is obviously up in Brisbane, uh, published an opinion piece from their associate editor, Kylie Lang, that cited multiple unrelated sources confirming to her that at Brisbane Girls Grammar School that they have several students who have chosen to self-identify as cats, Mm -hmm. as well as a few who claim to be foxes. Uh, The school denied it when asked by other people, but Lang has stood by it. Um, I mean, look, you know, this kind of idea is this uh, often a kind of... um, 
a, a almost like a riff on ideas of like people being transgender or gay, you know, identifying as a different sexuality or gender, right. you know, people going to identify as a different species next. But the, the where it gets kind of weird is that this week, a Nebraska state lawmaker made the exact same, the same claim about a school in his state, but then retracted it. What do you think, Sammy? Is this like what's your bullshit radar telling you? Do you think this is a weird coincidence, or do you think well, this he, must be he like a? Just, a sorry, yeah, just, sorry. He didn't just retract it. He was basically found to be lying because it never actually happened, right? Like that, the retraction wasn't because the school threatened to sue him. The retraction was because it wasn't true at all. Like he completely made it up about the school in his state. Um, and we're seeing some of the same things coming around here, which is where's the evidence for this? Are they just making up this story? Because a lot of people have now questioned what exactly was the evidence for this. Yeah. And of course, you know, if you, tr- you trust someone who says they have multiple sources and they can't talk about it, but it is like, it's a bizarre and seemingly like, you know, like obvious claim if, if there are students who, by the way, you know, are young people and, and don't necessarily deserve to have their identity, you know, broadcast out there. So, that, I mean, that obviously complicates things. But if this is true and not like a weird viral rumor that's going around on Facebook that, you know, maybe that this associate editor had been told by other parents, you know, that they'd seen on Facebook. So it's a connection between the two. But if it's not that, I don't know, shouldn't there just be like some more... Pr- proof it's bizarre i mean the, the the school denied it repeatedly none of the parents who've said that it happens have come forward the story was basically apparently researched by kylie lang an opinion an associate editor for the courier mail four months earlier and then published four months later that's um, weird it, the whole thing to me reeks of one parent who's friends with Kylie Lang told Kylie Lang, hey, this is the thing that happened. Kylie Lang, well, that's good enough for me. I don't need to verify any further, even though the school's denied it, and then just ran with the story. You know what it reminds me a lot of? In the run-up to the gay marriage um, plebiscite, when we had a lot of people saying, well, if you got, including Andrew Bolt said this, as well as, uh, you know, of course, many people from the Australian Christian lobby were saying this, that if you let gay people get married, then what's next? People will be marrying dogs. And now it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, if, if you let people identify their own gender, then what? People will be identifying as cats. There's this mm-hmm. constant fear, that, or at least there's this constant narrative of somehow um involving animals into lgbtqi conversations and i think a lot of it in the end comes down to maybe conservatives just really like want to have sex with animals and really wish someone would let them Sorry. i mean in the end a lot of it just seems to be headed in that direction oh, no. <laughs> i i you know as you started the sentence i i already knew exactly where you were going and i was like maybe not maybe i'm assuming the worst me, look and me thinks they protest too much is all i'm saying i i'm not making any specific allegations about this author all i'm saying is it's possible uh well Look, uh, again allegedly allegedly you say allegedly, you say allegedly in australia yeah. you can say anything, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yes. allegedly you can't say anything. Uh, m- multiple sources who i can't uh name have actually told me that so yeah i, yes, can, I can corroborate exactly. that <laughs> exactly <laughs> um half a billion dollars is what the phone hacking scandal at the uk news corp publication news of the world and the sun has co- cost the company in just the last three years and um, for those of you who can't remember, maybe too young or, or aren't familiar with it, the, the the phone hacking scandal was when employees of the newspaper were accused of engaging in phone hacking, police bribery, and exercising improper influence in the pursuit of stories uh, in the mid-noughties. Uh, and they, they 
um, like used phone hacking to target celebrities, politicians, members of the British royal family. Uh, it was all exposed and has been a huge, uh, you know, reputational damage, mm-hmm. but also financial damage to News Corp. Um, in uh, Crikey this week, Glenn Dyer wrote about to date the costs for this exceeded uh, one point five. Uh, 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 sorry, yeah, one point five to two billion of damages in legal costs in Australian money since two thousand and seven. And of course, that doesn't include the fact that they also closed down the News of the World publication, very established in the UK because of this, made people redundant, lost advertising and, and the actual money from running the publication. This is arguably the biggest uh, uh, journalism scandal in in of the century so far, and it's had enormous costs. Sammy, do you reckon it's all been worth it? <laughs> I mean, it depends on which side you're on, right? It's the only body blow that News Corp has ever publicly, you know, experienced to such a scale. It seems like I'm sure there've been many private losses and 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 damages, and you know, people have sued them for things and all the you know non-disclosure agreement, etc. But this was the biggest public scandal related to News Corp. It was the biggest public failure by News Corp. Um, I mean. There are people who were involved with it who haven't really paid any price. Piers Morgan right now, for example, is still hosting a TV show on Sky News, but um, in Australia at least. But the fact that so much money was lost and, uh, you know, publication was shut down as well as his attempt, Rupert Murdoch's attempts to own all of Sky Broadcasting failed. It's the closest thing we've ever, uh, you know, critics of News Corp have ever had to a victory over News Corp. And I think... Um, I don't know if the punishment fit the crime still, to be honest, and what they did was pretty heinous. And I would argue that there's further punish- punishment was required, but it's a pretty good punishment regardless. Yeah, I, w- I was reading that uh, in 2013, Rupert Murdoch was actually caught on tape saying that the investigators who who, de- who determined, they went through it, determined that he was actually, they said that he was not fit to, mm-hmm. to run a big media company. Um, they... Uh, uh, they, um, uh, he he said that they were totally like off their rockers and had gone too far, which is this how a contrite person usually sounds. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I, Someone I, who's I, learned their lesson. Yeah, exactly. Sammy, I, I don't really think I was honestly like paying that much close attention at the time. Do you remember what it was like when this was all coming out? Um, I remember the, the some of the, the coverage was was exciting. It was hysterical because obviously so much was coming out, and every single day was more shocking information. Hugh Grant was involved. As you know, whenever you have a celebrity angle, that's always a big part of it as well. Um, it was it was a massive story. What's interesting is that even though it's been so long, like the fact that you're bringing this up right now to many people will make it go like, oh, wait, we thought that this was over. How is this still a new story? You know, is interesting because it did happen a long, long time ago. 2005 to 2007, you know, was when this stuff started first coming out. And you'd think that by now it would have been a dead and done deal. But the fact that it still has repercussions is exciting. But also, if you ask anyone, News Corp scandal, biggest scandal, it's the only one they mention, which means it's linked to News Corp forever, but they've also dodged a lot of bullets since then, clearly. Yeah, and it, it is it is crazy how long the tale of this to still mm-hmm. be having billions of dollars of payouts. Um, you know, like I saw like earlier this this year, there were celebrities who were still finding out that they were affected as part of it. Um, it, it was huge, but I mean that that's uh, that is what happens when you systematically 
invade people's privacy. Um, yes. So yeah, pretty pretty disgusting stuff. Hey, and finally, here's a kind of interesting story that um, has a, a link to News Corp that may not be initially obvious. So Australian Associated Press, which is the wire service, which for people who don't know is essentially like a media company that reports on stuff that then sends those uh, reports to different publications who can print it out. It's often, mm-hmm. you know, c- kind of happens. It allows, you know, small newspapers, regional newspapers, or even international newspapers to have news coverage uh, from across the world and the country. Um, so Australia's Associated Press, which is a wire network, is beginning to offer a direct-to-customer subscription model for the first time. Uh, so they're allowing people, you know, readers, consumers to directly pay them for their work. Um, and they're doing this to avoid an over-reliance on government funding. The history is that AAP was until recently the only wire service in Australia and was used by a lot of um, publications, including by media companies Nine and News Corp. But in the last few years, News Corp decided to abandon them and set up their own wire service that they mm-hmm. use across their publications. There were concerns uh, afterwards that AAP would go bankrupt because uh, without uh, news, they lost a lot of their funding. Um, but successive government grants have kept them in business so far. This is their latest attempt to try and build a sustainable business model. Sammy, can I take a stab at what you think News Corp's long game is by abandoning AAP and setting up their own wire service? It's it's the same thing that News Corp's been doing, or, or at least Rupert Murdoch's been doing from the start, right? It goes all the way back to the the whopping dispute, what, 1986 it was, when it was News International that he owned. And they basically, um, all, the, all the printers' unions in UK went on strike because he basically moved everything in-house. He moved all the printing productions in-house. He moved everything within his own buildings. And as a result, 6,000 you know, workers went on strike to, to protest against the fact that they were no longer going to have control over the printing press of news international publications and they lost that battle um and in the end like news fundamentally changed or at least the distribution of news fundamentally changed because news international showed that you can just do everything yourself you can print you can write the story yourself and you can print the story yourself and then you can distribute the story yourself and you can have control of the entire supply chain this is another aspect of that they're just controlling the supply chain of wire networks now news gathering and news distribution on the other end not the customer end, but on the journalist's end um, is, you know, within Newscope's uh, control as well. And for AAP, uh, AAP is, you know, a valuable service. I mean, I know, for example, how much we, you know, other stations rely on it. And the fact that the government's been propping it up has been great. I think the subscription model isn't a bad idea. I mean, to be honest, I might look into some of the pricing and see if I can get it going for my news weekly podcast as well, because I rely, rely on wires a lot for that. But um I don't know if they can survive this, to be honest, because Newscope is very good at what they do. And what they do is um, take, uh, you know, distribution, publication, all of these different aspects and make them their own and thus kill the industry that they were supporting. I am kind of skeptical about how it would work as a subscription service, because at the moment there are a lot of publications that use AAP. So I'm Mm -hmm. thinking The Guardian, Seven News, who post their stuff without a paywall. So for anything that's yes. significant, for most of the significant stuff, you could just get if you searched it yourself. Um, but the, the, I think the really interesting question is about the 
I'd love to hear your thoughts, Sammy. So, you know, my understanding is that, you know, that News Corp didn't want to keep on supporting another media company because why would they when they could do it themselves and yes. potentially have people pay them for that as well? And the other thing is that they, of course, are able to extend their own editorial influence by dictating it themselves. Mm-hmm. What do you think would happen, Sammy, if the only Newswire service left in the country was News Corp and all these independent um, publications from around the country had to then rely just on News Corp coverage. Do you think that, that would change anything? Um, <laughs> yes, we would have. We would see wall-to-wall coverage about schools in Brisbane that are apparently allowing students to dress up as cats. <laughs> like you know, that would be the top news story every single day of the week. I do want to point out, by the way, that I just googled AAP subscription just to see what the pricing model is, and the first three links are not Australian Associated Press. The first three links are um, uh, Australasian Association of Philosophy. So just be careful who you subscribe to when you do look this up. Yeah, they need to to work on their <laughs> SEO. Uh, <a> yeah, bit. <laughs> uh, although I must say the Australasian Association of Philosophy, fucking expensive annual rates. How much are we talking? $150. What are you getting? I don't know, but it, it, philosophy, I'm assuming. <laughs> like, uh, I guess you can call yourself a philosopher. I'm going to find out. I'm now more curious about this than I am about the Australian Associated Press, to be honest. So this week, Lachlan Murdoch was in Australia and he made a speech to the IPA, the Institute of Public Affairs, which is Australia's probably best known uh, right-wing think tank. And in the speech, he was talking about how Australians were losing their way of life. Sammy, I wanted to play a game with you. I wanted to see whether you could determine uh, between the words of the head of the empire and the Mm -hmm. mouthpiece. Mm. So I've got five quotes here. And in these five quotes, some of them are by Lachlan Murdoch and okay. some of them are from Andrew Bolt. And I know that you know Andrew Bolt quite well, you know, probably oh, yeah. better than a lot of people. So yeah. this may be an easy game for you, but I'm kind of, <laughs> kind of interested to see, you know, the, the speech was, was quite a long one and, and covered a lot of things. I want to see whether you could tell between, um, you know, the person who, who signs the paychecks at the end of the day and the person we see every day. Maybe before we go, what do you reckon you get out of five? Take a guess how much you'll get. Oh, boy. Um, look, Pop, I, I, I wish you could have done Andrew Bolt's cadence because that definitely would have helped me <laughs> a lot as well. But I, I mean, I'm pretty confident. I feel like three and two. Okay, four out of five I will get. Right. Okay, four out of five. Okay, here yes, we go. Yes, let's do this. Uh, first one. Uh, we are not who we were 100 years ago or who we might become 100 years from now. Understanding what characteristics make us unique and what shared values unite us is essential before we can celebrate the good, reject the bad, and embrace the new. As Lachlan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that is, ding, that ding, is ding. embrace the new was where Andrew Bolt has never embraced anything new. So let's, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, number two. The Western civilization that gave this nation its character and especially its democratic institutions is damned as oppressive and racist. Even oh, Andrew Bolt. <laughs> you don't need me to finish. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Was All right, that right? Wow. You, you, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you're doing go. really okay. well so far. Okay. Uh, that was um, Andrew Bolt from his 2018 opinion piece called The Foreign Invasion, which mm. uh, got a bit of notoriety because he I essentially uh, he, re- he essentially espoused the... Uh, great replacement uh, conspiracy theory, which is this idea that white people, including you know white Australians, are being bred out by non-white people, and we're being replaced. Um, mm. and, and that's you know cited by people like neo-Nazis, but uh, also found its way without being named, but essentially in in spirit 
into Andrew Bolt's writings. Okay, yes. two out of two. Mm. It's going to get a little bit harder here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vladimir Putin's outrageous invasion of Ukraine is not just a territorial dispute or shameless land grab. It is a litmus t- test for the West. Ooh. I'm going to go Lachlan because litmus test for the West is... Um is vague it, it's you know andrew bolt i feel like would have taken a, a stronger stance on this you're wrong andrew bolt is more moderate than you realize oh. that was from a a piece just uh two weeks ago uh, all right okay one down. all right okay so two and one all two right, and one okay 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 to listen to our national broadcaster or much of the media elite is to hear about a uniquely racist selfish slavish and monocratic country the reality could not be more different we are one of the most andrew bolt Lachlan Murdoch. What? We are one of the most tolerant, generous, independent, and multicultural countries in human history. Lachlan Murdoch. I know. Oh, wow. Okay, I know. so just I know. going after the ABC there, huh? Like, uh-huh. like in a very boltish manner, one yeah. would argue. Yeah, yeah, I know. Okay, final one. This is, okay. is going to determine... Oh, look, I've already lost from, compared to my own... No, but you can but, still right, get a pass. And that, yes, that's all right. Okay. We're two, two, two for two. Here we go. Okay. How can we expect people to defend the values, interests, and sovereignty of this nation if we teach children only our faults and none of our virtues? Uh, I'm defeated at this point, so I'm just going to say Lachlan. <laughs> oh, you got it. <laughs> right? It's Lachlan. Yeah, it's Lachlan. So he's basically, either he's got Andrew Bolt writing his speeches for him. That, maybe or, that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or when Rupert Murdoch dies, we're just going to see someone who's exactly the same taking over. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I think this kind of goes to this idea that people have often said that Rupert Murdoch is not as much ideological as he is someone who likes the power, likes, you know, the the money uh, and all that kind of stuff. Whereas Lachlan Murdoch apparently is a much more like ideological kind of, you know, buying into the culture wars or at least is Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, is is proudly emulating them and, and, and espousing them. Uh, more than his father is. He he certainly does seem like he's much closer to an Andrew Bolt than, I mean, Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, I'm, and uh, it'll be interesting to see, how, again, with that, also look, let's keep in mind, this was, all, all of the quotes from him were taken from a speech at the IPA, right? That's right, yep. So, what do you expect he's going to say to the IPA? It's not like he's going to be, he's going to the IPA. You guys are, are hysterical over ridiculous things. You really need to be more considerate about climate change and let's allow, you know, people from minority points of view to have a voice as well because that's a better, healthy society. Uh, you know, so he's very much catering to the audience in this case. But, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, it sounds like this confirms a lot of the suspicions a lot of people have had about his points of view on everything, which are that they are stupid and uninspiring. And I think people took uh, a bit of umbrage at the fact that Lachlan Murdoch, who has spent more of his life outside of Australia than he has inside of it, who is a essentially a, a foreign uh, elite billionaire, mm. mm-hmm. is coming over to Australia and telling us that you know other other media elites, not him, are, are taking away their way of life, and then he's the one here to come and uh, you know bring it back to us i mean we also have um you know lauren southern on sky news we have pierce morgan that everyone here loves you know so we we are very susceptible to foreigners coming in and telling us how to live our life hell 
my ticket sales in my comedy career are reflective of the fact that there is a small appetite for that, at least on this side of the politics as well. <laughs> <laughs> Not just small, Sammy. Come on. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this edition of Murdocracy. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, just about anywhere. In fact, why don't you subscribe to us on all of them? It'd be great for our numbers. And don't forget, join our podcast group on Facebook at Murdocracy Podcast. Thank you, Kevin McLeod, for the theme music, the ABC for the recordings, Ruby Innes for our artwork, and as always, thanks to you, Sam. And thank you very much, Cam. <laughs> <laughs>